0: Welcome back. It's the Larry Hardesty Show. Sunday night here on 98.7 ESPN New York. And you know, if we're talking football, you know I had to go get my guy. Monday through Fridays, 3 to 7, Canty and Carlin. He is, Chris Canty, the former Super Bowler here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Super Bowl champion. How you
1: doing, Larry? I'm doing great. especially Especially after the Giants and Jets hit home runs in the draft this weekend. Excited about what's coming to New York this coming fall with the uh, the incoming class of players.
0: You had to be ecstatic. Five of the first six draft choices, defensive guys, three of the five on the line. Take me through Trevon Walker. Take me through uh, Aiden Hutchinson. And, of course, take me through Kayvon Thibodeau.
1: Well, Larry, Trevon Walker is a player that not a lot of people are excited about being the number one overall pick because you didn't see the high-end production throughout his entire career in college, but I thought he played at a really high level this past year. And if you look at his best games, they came in the biggest moments for the Georgia Bulldogs. They came in the SEC championship game in the college football playoff. And so I I like a guy that steps up in the biggest stages when the lights are brightest. And then when you couple that with the different ways that Georgia used him on defense and the athletic traits, I could understand why Trent Baalke and the Jacksonville Jaguars were convinced that he was the number one player on their board. So I absolutely love the pick. And then I like the fact that at number two overall, Aiden Hutchinson gets to stay in the state of Michigan. His father was an All-American that played for Bo Schembechler Schembechler at UM. And now this guy, after being an All-American, a Heisman Trophy finalist, has the opportunity to stay in his home state and play for the Detroit Lions and be a part of that turnaround under Dan Campbell. Um, So I think the first two picks were right – for the situations, the organizations that they went to, and of course, when we go to Kayvon Thibodeau, I, I love the personality of the player. I think the Giants could use a guy that has that kind of, you know, charisma in that locker room. They don't have a lot of guys, Larry, from a leadership standpoint, that they can rally around. Kayvon Thibodeau definitely has those types of traits that you look for in a leader. Now we got to have his production on the field to match the kind of charisma, the kind of leadership that this guy brings to the table. Because I'll tell you what, if he steps on the football field and he plays at the level that Brian Daybold and Joe Shane expect, then guys in the locker room are going to gravitate to him. I, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what Kayvon Thibodeau can do for this organization, not just in terms of the sack numbers that he can put up, but in terms of being able to raise the bar and being able to lead this group of men that's in that locker room. I'm excited about that.
0: Now, how does he complement what you have in guys like Leonard Williams and folks on that on that D line?
1: Well, I think he's more dynamic.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I mean, this is a guy that's gonna get in the backfield and be disruptive. He's got uh one of the best first steps in all of college football, Larry. In his forty yard dash, he had a one five nine ten yard split, oh, okay. which is right there oh. with the best edge rushers in today's game. I mean, 1.59 seconds and a 10-yard split is unbelievable. It's it's absolutely incredible. So um, the fact that he's going to have that kind of get-off and Wink Martindale is going to have the opportunity to deploy him all across the formation, I'm just excited about the different ways that they can use him as a weapon in order to wreak havoc on opposing offenses, not just in the passing game, Larry, because that's what everybody's going to focus on, but I think on early downs and distances, this is a guy that can knife into a backfield and create tackles for loss and create forced fumbles in the run game. I think he has that type of ability. This guy is a game record, And I don't think folks fully appreciate that, especially people on the East Coast, because we didn't quite, we didn't see that much of it. You know, we don't get a lot of the, the pac 12 games. We're not watching Oregon, you know, unless you're staying up late night watching college football. So I think Giants fans are, are, are going to be pleasantly surprised with Kayvon Thibodeau, especially given a lot of the questions surrounding him in the pre-draft process.
0: That's the voice of Chris Canty from Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. So, Chris, that's a perfect transition because when we talk about Jermaine Johnson II, most of us who thought about him and saw him, the the analysis is about his ability to stop the run. Last year's when he really jumped up and elevated his game against the against quarterbacks in the pass protection, and his was a name that really started creeping up the the draft. Uh, you know the draft numbers as we got closer and closer to the draft. Tell me about this young man.
1: Well, Larry, I thought he was one of the more polished rushers in this year's class and you know listen I understand that a lot of people are leery of guys that are you know one year wonders you're not talking about a guy that played a ton of college football Larry I think he's got something like what you talk about 30 games but he played 12 of them in Florida State and then he transferred it from Georgia so I mean it's you know when you start talking about the top end production that you would like to see you only really got one year of that which was this past season but I mean, listen, Larry, the numbers speak for themselves. 11-and-a-half sacks, 17-and-a-half tackles for loss. The guy can get it done, not just as a pass rusher, but also as a run stopper. And I like the fact that he's going to be in an odd front defensive. What I mean by that is a 34 front or a 52 front under Rob Solomon because he's going to be out on the edge in space. And I think given his body type, you worry about him getting swallowed up by bigger offensive linemen and tight ends in the run game well, he's going to be able to stay out on the edge and rob Salah's defense. So that's the thing that I'm excited about. Or early downs and distances, they'll have him as a stand-up linebacker um, or or you know, one of those wide nine techniques and then uh in obvious passing situations, this is a, this is the guy that's going to be able to uh to to drop down and play defensive end for you. So I like the fact that they're going to use him In a lot of different ways. Um, But that's one of the things, that's one of the concerns that a lot of people have for him is, you know, whether or not he's going to be able to hold up on early downs and distances in the run game.
0: Now, how does his skills complement Quentin Williams, who has really been a solid tackle for the Jets, and Carl Lawson, who's coming back from injury?
1: Well, I think, uh, I I will say this I think that this is the perfect complement rusher for Carl Lawson. Um, The Jets have stated how much they want John Franklin Myers to be uh, a part of the pass rush from the interior because his pass rush win rate is a lot higher in that area. So I like the idea of being able to have Jermaine Johnson out there on on the sub packages, being able to play defensive end and allowing uh, John Franklin Myers to be more of an interior rush guy. And so I, I still look for. John Franklin Myers to be one of those guys on early downs and distances that plays that defensive end spot. Um, and they'll probably have Jermaine Johnson, the second deployed as a Sam. So I, I'm thinking, you know, in terms of the defense that the Jets employ, it's, a, it's you know, it's a, it's a four down front, but it really plays a lot like, um, you know, a, a three, four defense because it's an underlook. So I, I mean, there's going to be five line, five guys on the line of scrimmage. Um, in the tackle box, and I think Jermaine Johnson can play that overhang spot and they'll let John Franklin Myers play defensive end on early downs and distances. But once you get into the sub packages, I think you could see a situation where uh, John kicks inside and then they let Jermaine Johnson rush off the edge. So I like the fact that you now be able to put out your best four pass rushers in order to get after quarterback and that that to me leads to leads to a lot of opportunities for guys because you're going to have one on ones with really good rushers. And like I said before, Jermaine Johnson is one of the most polished rushers in this Mm. year's class in terms of the tools that he has in his tool bag. I mean, this guy's got it all. I mean, he's got, you know, he's got the side scissors. He's got the, the push pull. He's got the, you know, the stab flap. So he's got a lot of different ways to be able to burn the edge to, to beat opposing offensive linemen and get to the quarterback. So, I'm excited to see what that what that can be, but this reminds me a lot of those 49ers defenses. You know, when they went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, when you had so many pass rushers. You know, they had DeForest Buckner, they had Ark Armstead, they had D. Ford, they had Solomon Thomas. They had a lot of guys that they could get after the quarterback with. And to me, this is very reminiscent of that what Rob Sala and Joe Douglas were trying to build with the Jets.
0: Before I get your thoughts on uh, Sauce Gardner, let me stay with the, with, with the pass rushers and the polish you're talking about with Jermaine Johnson. And just to explain to the audience a little bit, Chris, about, you know, some guys, when you, they're great in college, but the big adjustment is the hand placement, being able to shed the blockers, to shed the blocks from the offensive line when you get to the NFL. Well,
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot because it's, it's precision, right, Larry? There's less margin for error. And so I think when you start to talk about collegiate rushers versus guys in the NFL, you know, you know, in college, you can out athlete a lot of guys because most of those players aren't going to the next level. You're talking about 3% of college football players making the jump less than 3% of college football players making the jump to the NFL. So most of those guys that you're going up against aren't playing on Sunday. And so you don't have to necessarily be as precise with your hand placement, with your movements. You can waste a few steps and still have time to get to the quarterback. But in the NFL, everything is about being able to save time. Everything is about efficiency, economy of movement. And so I, I, I just think that in this particular situation, what Jermaine Johnson is bringing to the table, I, I, I think Jets fans should be excited. I know there are a lot of folks that are leery about the way that he slipped. Um, but I think why he slipped is, is more a product of people in the NFL not being sold that he's necessarily going to be an every-down player early on in his career. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think that uh, in terms of him being able to get after the quarterback, all of the tools that he needs are there for him. So I'm excited to see what it ends up being. And i I, I tell you this much, I think the Jets are that much closer to forging an identity with, you know, you know, two of their three first-round draft picks because I do believe that the Jets will win in 2022 based off of what we see on the defensive side of the ball more so than offense.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Sauce Gardner. Uh, Chris, when I hear the stat, which is very impressive, did not give up a touchdown in his college career, that's impressive. What I do also understand, Chris, is that the NFL is not college. <laughs> and so when you, when you start making the – when I start hearing Sauce Island, Chris – I get a little concerned for Jet fans.
1: Well, I don't. I, I here, here's what I'll say. I, I I don't want to make the comparison to Reeves. I think it'll look a lot different in terms of how he gets his job done. It's not going to be a situation where you're asking him to be a man coverage no matter where a receiver lines up on the field, and you're just going to tell him race that guy. I don't think that's what Soft does. Um, I do like the idea of him, you know, in essence playing. You know that Richard Sherman role and that Rob solid defense. Remember what Richard Sherman was when he was with the Legion of Boom, and then when he came down to San Francisco. Like I, I do envision him being that type of corner, being able to use his length to his advantage, being able to engage in some press jams um, at the line of scrimmage using using his body. Uh, because you're talking about a guy that has tremendous physical gifts. He's six foot three, Larry. Mm. Six foot three in the NFL playing corner—that's unbelievable. Like he's got long arms; he'll be able to. To, to make it difficult for guys, you know, to, 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 to get to, you know, their routes and their timing and their spots. Um, so I, I like the idea of him playing in that scheme uh, for Rob Salah. So I, I, I actually think it's a great pick for them and they needed help at the cornerback spot. You didn't want to run it back with Brandon Echols and, and Bryce Hall. And I love Bryce Hall because he's a Virginia guy, but I, I don't, I don't think that that was going to get them to where they wanted to be. You got to be able to have corners, that can, you know, hold up in one-on-one situations? Because whether you're playing zone or you're playing man, Larry, in the Astral Football League, at some point in the down, it becomes man coverage. And can you mm-hmm. have a guy that consistently wins when he's in those situations? From what we saw at Cincinnati, Sauce Gardner could do that. Now, we got to see what that means once he gets to the NFL and he's playing against the best of the best. But but I do think this kid has what it takes. He has the stuff to be a really, really good corner.
0: Chris Canty is my guest. Last one for you, Chris. Uh, Giants really needed an offensive lineman, offensive tackle. Evan Neal, I think, is an outstanding pick for them. That's that's as good as it gets.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and it's, it was surprising to me that Joe Shane decided that he was going to use, you know, three of his first four picks on the offensive side of the ball. I, I didn't see that coming. But uh, I, I nonetheless, I do think it's a really good class for the Giants. And what makes it a good class is that they're finally making a commitment to solidify the offensive line in a real way. It's not about projecting what a guy can be. It's about actually seeing a guy do the job that you're going to ask him to do at the collegiate level and plugging him in. And that's the reason why I love Evan Neal, Larry. It's because this guy's had double-digit starts at right tackle at Alabama under Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. And, you know, listen, you're talking about SEC competition. So a lot of those guys that he plays – that he was going against are going to play on Sundays and Evan Neal was able to hold up. And so I think that's, that's the thing that I'm, I'm looking most forward to the giants being able to have hook in tackles for the next decade with Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. They still got some work to do on the interior of that offensive line. We'll see how that goes. I do like their third round pick um, out of North Carolina. So we'll, you know we'll see if he can challenge for an opportunity to start at that left guard spot. But I think the Giants are making strides in terms of creating an offensive line that can win the line of scrimmage. And for so long, that's been a big part of the problem for the Giants, Larry. They were one of the worst teams in pass rush, uh, pass block win rate last year. And even though they didn't give up exorbitant sack numbers, you could tell that Daniel Jones and, you know, the passing game was under the rest, but also they allowed a lot of negative plays in the run game. So, Evan Neal being able to fortify that offensive line opposite to Andrew Thomas is a huge step for the Giants.
0: No question about it. This is the type of stuff you'll hear, the analysis. Tomorrow from 3 to 7, it's Canty and Carla. He'll break down the NFL. Plus, he's got some thoughts on the the NBA uh, playoffs going on. Big one with Golden State and Memphis. Memphis is going to be a problem for Golden State, uh, Chris. I think it's going to be a long series. No, I think it's going to be a long
1: series. It came down to the last play, and, and Memphis has been in a lot of those games uh, throughout the early going in these playoffs. But the one that surprised me is how Milwaukee dominated mm-hmm. that game against Boston. I did not see that coming, Larry. Mm-hmm. But I think the the surprise, the shock is a byproduct of how good Boston looked against a hapless Brooklyn Nets team. It, 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 the first round series was not about how good Boston was. It was a reflection of how bad Brooklyn is. And I think we inflated what the Boston Celtics were coming into round two, and that showed in game
0: one. Make sure you reevaluate it, Chris. Thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll be listening <laughs> tomorrow.
1: All right, Larry. Thanks for having me on.
0: Chris Canty. Always love when he what he brings to the table.